How about that? Are we there? Okay, and it was good. We have some announcements to, uh, for you to take a look at and uh, read, but one that needs to be recognized right off the bat is a very special anniversary of holy matrimony for our Sharon and Ed, and um, they are newlyweds, um, only been at it for 58 years, so congratulations to you. What a beautiful witness. Wonderful, wonderful. And without further ado, I'll let you all go through the bulletins on your own. You don't want to hear me read, and, and my wife tells me that I, uh, mm, uh, on there, don't you? And because I, I don't really rehearse them. And so here they are. And if there's any questions, we'll just kind of carry on. Can you take us away there, Tim?
We come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart, and we have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. And for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain, whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are his. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation. Blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain 
has begun his reign. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, you know that we live in the midst of so many dangers that in our frailty we cannot stand upright. Grant strength and protection to support us in all dangers and carry us through all temptations. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Peace be with you. We've got some interesting readings today that kind of struck, struck me at home a bit and, uh, when I was reading it. Uh, the first one will be in your pew Bible on page 1169. And it's from Jeremiah chapter 1. And it's a various readings and verses of 4 through 10 and then again 17 through 19. Jeremiah 1, verse 4 through 10, and 17 through 19. Here's an interesting situation going on here because Jeremiah was very young when he started speaking with God, and God uh, had a conversation with him and, and did something special for him. Let's read about it. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were born. I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See today, I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Get yourself ready, stand up and say to them, whatever I command you, do not be terrified by them or I will terrify you before them. Today, I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but not overcome you, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Join me now when we go to the uh, Psalms readings that you have printed in your bulletin. We'll be reading Psalms 1 through 11. Uh, this one struck me a little bit. It's a prayer for God's help in old age. I'm getting there. It probably was from David or Solomon. They're not sure exactly who, but it's, it's a good one. So join me. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue me and deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, my God, 
from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of those who are evil and cruel. For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From birth I relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. I have become a sign to many. You are my strong refuge. Mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. Do not cast me away when I am old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. For my enemies speak against me. Those who wait to kill me conspire together. They say, God has forsaken him. Pursue him and seize him, for no one will rescue him. We'll be looking now at the first book of Corinthians in chapter 12. We'll be starting at verse 31, and we'll be taking that uh, through uh, chapter 13, uh, at verse 13. This is on your pew Bibles, if you have them in front of you, at 1786. And this was a good reading, too, because guess what? It was about love. Let's see what I'm saying here, what I meant. 31 of 12, chapter 12, 31. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way if I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I have nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my, my body, to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. We've heard this one probably sometimes at weddings. Verse four, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always preserves. Because love never fails. But where, <coughs> where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when <clears throat> completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest is love. This is the word of the Lord. Alleluia, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Alleluia. Holy Gospel according to St. Luke from the fourth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord, or Christ. 
This is, uh, our reading this morning is indeed from Luke chapter 4, verses 31 through 44. Luke records, Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee. And on the Sabbath he taught the people. And they were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. And in the synagogue... There was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit, and he cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. And all the people were amazed. And they said to each other, What words are these? With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits, and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Jesus left the synagogue, and he went to the home of Simon. And now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her, and he rebuked the fever, and it left her. And she got up at once and began to wait on them. And at sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness. And laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of the many people, shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them, and he would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Messiah. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place, and the people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them, but he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. This is the gospel of the Lord Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. In today's reading of the gospel, um, it, it, it immediately it follows last week's reading. Uh, truth is, if we were to read the end of last week's scripture and the beginning of this week's reading, it would go like this from Luke 4, 30, 31. But passing through their midst, he went away, and he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee. And last week, you'll recall that we heard that the people of Nazareth responded to the epiphany of Jesus by trying to throw him off of a cliff. And we read further, therefore, that Jesus went away, which is the way things work. If he's rejected, he Over and over, he moves on. And today's reading tells us where he went when he left his town of Nazareth. He went to Capernaum. And once again, the people marveled at his teaching. And he preached with authority. And there's a similar account in Matthew that helps us understand what it means or what it meant to teach with authority. 
In Matthew 7, verses 28 through 29, it says, When Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. So apparently, the scribes taught by quoting other authorities, not their own authority. They were quoting somebody else. So it might go something like this. A scribe would say, well, one important rabbi said this, and another important rabbi said that, and still another rabbi said something else. Entirely different. And by the time that they had finished quoting all of the conflicting views from all of the important rabbis, the listener had no better understanding of the truth, the truth of the text, than when the scribes began speaking. Have you ever listened to somebody like that? Was that, what did I just hear? Now on the other hand, Jesus pointed to the text of Holy Scripture. Jesus unpacks its meaning very clearly so that that the hearer knew what it meant when he was finished. And the meaning might bring the terror of the law, or the meaning might bring the comfort of the gospel. In either case, the meaning came through with clear confidence from the mouth of Pastor Jesus. As great as Jesus' teaching was, There was a being in the synagogue that day who could not stand it. In Luke 4, 33 and 34, we read that, And in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. That'd be a little unusual. The clear preaching of the Word of God can only bring terror to the evil angels who join Satan in his rebellion against God. The truth is this, there is no comfort for them, the demons, and there is no salvation for them, the demons. There is only a future of eternal punishment. In fact, in James 2, he says, the demons believe and they shudder. God created the unclean demons originally as good angels, and then they rebelled. And the unclean demons are all eternal beings who have existed since the time they were created during the six days of creation. And they know that they are creatures of God, and they hate him. And as beings who have lived from the dawn of time, they know, they know that the Bible is true, and they hate it. They hate the word of God. And they know, they know that God loves you. And they hate you. Now let's notice also that the demon showed up in a synagogue. And this teaches us that demons, they have no respect for holy places. In fact, they seek out holy places so that they can corrupt them. And although the demon was obviously acting out on, his, on this particular day, we cannot assume that anyone in the synagogue had any idea that this man was demon-possessed. He may have been a respected member of the synagogue community. Who knows if Well, who knows how much damage that he could have done being demon-possessed as he was possibly a respected member of the synagogue community. But now Jesus is there. 
And the demon can no longer go undercover. No longer in this man is he hidden. And the presence of the Holy One of God is more than he could stand, as he said. And the fact is, his cover's blown. He's been made. The jig is up. And his only choice is one last act of rebellion. And Jesus rebuked him, saying in Luke 4:35, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done no harm to the man. The fact is, there's no contest in this. this. This Jesus is the word of God in the flesh. The flesh, the word became incarnate in the flesh. And just as God created this demon as a good angel through that word, so also that same word orders this rebellious demon to leave. There is power in the word. In Luke 4, 36, they were all amazed and said to one another, what is this word? For the authority and power he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. That uh, demonic outburst, it actually backfired. That last act of rebellion. Because now all the people in the synagogue know that Jesus has the authority and the power to command demons. And the demon has inadvertently provided an opportunity for the people of Capernaum to have an epiphany. And it's not surprising that we read in Luke 4:37 that reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. Yeah, that's not surprising, right? That's not every day, every Sunday, thank you, Lord, or any that I've been about that demons have been passed out. But I would imagine y'all would go out these doors and you ain't gonna believe this. Now, as amazing as the things were in the synagogue, that day, it's not over yet. There's more to come. And we read that it was custom for one of the members of the synagogue to provide the Sabbath meal for the teacher of the day. And so it was that Jesus went home with Simon, Peter. And in the course of normal conversations that happen at such occasions, Simon mentioned that his mother-in-law was very ill with a high fever, and high fevers usually led to, lead to something else, don't they? So once again, Jesus demonstrated his power and authority. How? Well, Luke 4.39 tells us he stood over her, and he rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she rose and began to serve them. Notice that Jesus rebuked the fever, and the word rebuke is the same word used to describe Jesus' words to the demon in the synagogue. He rebukes demons and he rebukes fever. The exact same power and authority that cast out the demon has also the authority and power to cast out the fever. And the healing was so complete that Simon's mother-in-law needed no period of recovery that instead we read that she was immediately able to resume her vocation as hostess. And it didn't take long for the word to spread. And as soon as the sun went down and the Sabbath was officially over, everyone from the surrounding countryside brought their sick and their injured friends and relatives to Jesus. And Jesus healed them all. He even dealt with several people, several who were demon-possessed. And the common thread through all of these events is the power and the authority of Jesus. We read that he taught with power and authority. He rebuked demons with power and authority. He rebuked a fever with power and authority authority. Jesus speaks to nature, and nature listens and obeys. 
Jesus speaks to spiritual powers, and they listen and obey. And a little word from Jesus has power and authority over all things. Think about the waves and the wind. He rebukes them. Jesus brought his power and authority to us in order to undo the terrible damage that sin has done to his creation. Every sickness that he healed, every demon that he cast out, every person that he raised from the dead was a reversal of the curse of sin. And every healing was a sign that pointed forward to the ultimate healing that Jesus worked on that cross for us. The ultimate healing. And that ultimate healing, eternal healing that Jesus worked for us happened on the cross. And on that cross, Jesus suffered the final eternal consequence of our sin. He endured the full punishment of our sin for us. And he endured the full wrath of God in our place. And he satisfied the judgment of God against our sin. He was our propitiation. And we read in Isaiah 53, 5, that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought, that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. And the healing that Jesus gives us was authenticated by his resurrection from the dead. That through his resurrection, we have the promise that all of his work, his perfect life, his sacrifice on the cross, all his work, all of it is for us. He promises that we shall rise just as he rose. He promises that we shall also live with him in heaven forever. What's behind this promise of salvation? What's behind it? The power and the authority of his word is behind it. The same word that created the whole universe out of nothing. The same word that continues to sustain and keep all things in existence. That very word became flesh in the womb of the Virgin Mary. That holy word revealed himself in Capernaum with power and authority. And all things are possible with his word. All things are possible with his word. And by the power of his word joined to the water of baptism, Jesus joins us to him. He joins us to him in his life, his suffering, his death, and his resurrection. His righteousness becomes our righteousness and the punishment that he endured on the cross was credited to our account. And his burial becomes our burial, and his resurrection assures us that we too will rise from the dead with him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. And by the power of his word, he gives us his true body, and blood under bread and wine for us Christians to eat and to drink. And through the sacrament, he offers forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. And he strengthens us in one true faith that leads to everlasting. And through his word, the Holy Spirit changes unbelieving enemies of God into faithful children. We cannot produce faith on our own or on anyone else's. Amen? We cannot produce faith on our own or in anyone else. Instead, the Holy Spirit calls us by God's word. 
He gathers us all together in one holy church that is eternally united with Jesus Christ. Christ's word. Christ's word is powerful. It has what we need. It does what it says. Christ's word has power and authority. The power and authority to rebuke demons. The power and authority to rebuke fevers. And the power and authority to save your soul. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's now confess our faith together to the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. And on the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, 
the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As a family in Jesus Christ, let us pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we gather this morning to praise your holy name and appeal for your mercies through and by the grace of your Son, Jesus, who stands as our Redeemer before you. Heavenly Father, we know that you've provided everything we have on earth from our families, friends, and possessions up to and including forgiveness of our many and continual sins against you and eternal life with you through the sacrifice of your only Son, Jesus. This prayer puts into words the thoughts you have heard in our hearts and minds all week and even now through the presence of your Holy Spirit who mercifully resides within us by your grace. We try very hard, Father, to keep our blessings in mind and be constantly thankful for your love for us. But Holy Father, we're overcome with fear, anxiety, anger, depression, and despair as we're surrounded by evil. We worry constantly about the spreading virus, hate in our society, the future of our children, rumors of impending war between nations and crime that has blossomed and spread unchecked nearly everywhere so that no one feels safe anymore, no matter where they are and what they're doing, even in our schools and churches. Though we are faithful and study your word, we can't let go of our anxiety. Our leaders and news media can't continually stoke the fires of fear and doubt because it makes them money or provides power, and we listen to them. We know that you have said that you have a good plan for us and that you alone are in charge of our lives, but we often feel as if we're being thrown around like a ship in a storm and we can't get off. Our society is collapsing all around us and we are sick and tired. We make bad decisions all the time, and our leaders like us constantly repeat the perils of history. It's not new, and it goes back to the beginning of human life when we doubted you and listened to Satan. Ignorant people don't fear you. Many of our leaders don't fear you either or deny your existence. Chaos and destruction have filled the void, and we're too arrogant to admit that we need your presence, your help, and your rules again. God Almighty, please make your presence known to the world and drive us back onto the correct path for peaceful coexistence. Humble us, our leaders and leaders throughout the world. Please don't stand aside to allow us to fix our own problems because you know we can't. We only make them worse. Holy Father, Almighty God, Please help us protect our children as parents, grandparents, teachers, and friends to lead, teach, and show our children how to manage anger, show compassion, love one another, and turn from evil influences in their lives, whether in video games, movies, social media, news media, or other sources of destruction. Help us as adults model the best behavior in our relationships and embrace everyone based on their character and not on physical or cultural differences, recognizing that you created each of us in your image and you love every one of us. And Lord, although we worry about them often, we do indeed thank you for the gift of all children in our lives, especially the younger ones, whose innocent questions and remarks always bring a smile to our faces even when we try to remain serious. I think that's when we feel closest to you. We pray, Holy Spirit, that those who serve to protect us from evil and harm in our country and the world, especially our military members and police officers, 
both of whom step voluntarily between us and the forces of evil and death. We pray for the safety of firefighters and paramedics and all others in the medical profession who work hard to heal the sick and suffering. We pray for your mercy upon those who have died but have never known Jesus and for those who may have turned away from his saving grace. We know what you have said in Holy Scripture about this, but even so, we pray that the Holy Spirit would bring them to faith in their final moment, or that you would grant mercy to those whom we love, as it is within your absolute power to do so. We thank you for all the beauty that surrounds us. Please focus our eyes on your perfect creation and help us to see the good around us rather than focusing on the bad. Help us to be kind to one another and turn from hatred. Thank you especially and always for the gift of your Son, our eternal Savior, Jesus Christ. And finally, we now share with you our personal prayers kept deep in our hearts or spoken aloud. Into your hands, Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now may the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace at a distance. Waves are good. Will you please pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts, and with them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord. In sharing our life, he lived among us to reveal your glory and your love that our darkness should give away to his own brilliant light. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks, and then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks, and then he gave it to his disciples saying, take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together the perfect prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. It's all about him and what he did for us. It's all about his word. It's all about his power and his authority. And so when he says, this is my body given for you, this is my blood shed for you, he's saying that with power and? Amen. And he says that it saves you and rescues from sin, death, and the devil because of his power and authority. Amen? Well, guess what? We have the table prepared for all who believe and confess him as Lord and Savior. Our ushers will bring you forward. Come. The table is prepared.
had undone power and authority to make things right power and authority to rescue us who were doomed who were enemies of God power and authority to deliver us through that death power and authority to bring us to heaven to be with him forever power and authority may the Lord bless you and keep you May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Now and ever shall